thank you so much um panelists for for joining us thank you attendees for joining us this is the inaugural virtual panel for the achieve podcast uh all three of our panelists have been guests on our show we were very fortunate for that and um on the show itself we focus on life journey and the experiences they've gone through that have brought them to where they are today uh, on these virtual panels we're going to discuss various topics that uh, our guests our panelists have uh, been involved with uh, career-wise and so today we are hosting a topic on technology and mindfulness and for the benefit of the attendees i'll just quickly share whom you have in front of you We've got uh, Max Gomez, an entrepreneur. He's co-founder and CEO of Breathwork. We have David DeJesus, a venture capitalist and partner at VU, VU Venture Partners. And Max Josephson, whom I'll call a technologist, because that sounds uh, <laughs> like it encompasses uh, somebody who's steeped in programming, but is also coming from a mindfulness tradition. Uh, who is uh, Chief Technology Officer of Double Blind. So uh, thank you all for, for joining. Um, to set the stage a little bit, we kind of know the broad statistics. Um, there are over a billion smartphones uh, out there. Um, I've seen some interesting stats about how more people can access smartphones than toilets. Although uh, maybe those uh, not those open air um, sewage systems are better for the environment, who knows? Um, we also know the stats of how addicted we are to our smartphones. Uh, we check phones 150 times a day. We spend 10 hours a day on screen time and about 34 minutes with our loved ones. And so uh, these are just common stats that have been going around for a few years. Um, we're now beginning to hear about some of the paradoxes and problems. And so, uh, interestingly, technology has brought us closer to uh, those who are farther away from us while creating more distance with those close to us. Now, I can't take credit for that one. I heard that and I, I don't know whom, to whom I can attribute it, but um, I did craft the following one with the help of my 14-year-old daughter which is that technology has made us more efficient, yet we are left with less downtime. Some of the problems that technology has provided uh, include psychological ones. So we're grappling with isolation, decreased social interaction, to physical problems, uh, problems like obesity, shallow breathing, and tech neck, uh, where it seems like we are always praying. Um, so to dive into it, um, mindfulness has been touted as a way to deal with all kinds of stress. We've had a few questions come in from uh, the, the participants and um, one that a few have been asking, and I'm going to augment it a little bit, but the question is, which technology platforms have you utilized to practice mindfulness? I'm going to add which ones that are not of your own creation or involvement. So um, uh, Max, you go first. What, what, are, what are other apps are you using? Yeah, so I mean, I guess where I started a couple of years ago is I tried to, to meditate with the meditation apps, um, but found meditation to be pretty tough for me, as most people with active minds can empathize with that meditation. It takes a lot of practice and time, and just sitting there for 20 minutes feels almost like a waste of time because you have all these amazing thoughts you want to write down. Right. Um, but so like that kind of failed with me. Um, but another 
want to use is Apple Watch has a breathing app too, um, which we're actually just kind of going back to what we're doing, but we're actually making an Apple Watch app too, but these just have this simple exercise that I could use also. Um, I think that's a really good place for mindfulness too. And then YouTube has great videos online to learn different practices. And I think that's a really amazing educational platform. Of the meditation apps that you used, was there one in particular that stood out for you or? Um, no, because I haven't subscribed to them for that long. Okay. So when they first came out, uh, I think like everyone else, we downloaded it and we, we saw all the positive benefits of meditation, yeah. but it's really tough to, to get people to do, to do anything and to build a practice and to take that self-care into consideration. Um, so that's why, that's why it is kind of like you do, you need a little bit of that extra push in order to get people to do these things. Um, changing behaviors is tough, especially the older you get, the less likely you are changing behavior. True. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, how about you? What, what mindfulness apps do you rely on? Um, well, I think for a time I was downloading a lot of uh, mood-based apps just to really understand, um, you know, what were the triggers to, to log your mood. Uh, I think, I think any like diary logging is, is, is pretty great to, to help you do kind of a, a post analysis on, on yourself. Uh, again, though, it's, it's, it's augmentative. It's not, uh, you know, it's not going to change your behavior by any means. You have to commit to it. These are all commitment type uh, things. <laughs> but I think the one that, you know, the only app and I guess one of the, the main apps I use is Audible. So it's, it's the only way that I sucking information, suck in information at, at 3x times the speed. So, right. um, yeah, you know, I think that helps me the most actually, to really be honest, um, because you can you know, take in that, I can take in the information, obviously everyone's different. I can take in that information very quickly uh, and then also modify behavior based on uh, what I'm seeing. So any type of tracking uh, applications, any type of historical tracking that always helps. Um, in the high performance space, we have more clinical wearables that, that we use. Um, um, there's one called BioVotion mm -hmm. and that also tracks your, your heart rate, breathing, um, and uh, your, your senses a little bit better than the watch does, but apparently Apple watch is like uh, sensor three now. So version, you know, been version four. So pretty similar. Um, but those are mostly for, you know, tracking. Oh, also, also, I think if anyone's trying to get into this now, uh, regards to breathing in regards to apps, um, get us get an app that helps or that measures your sleep not helps you sleep but measures your sleep mm. uh you know in order you know in that book i mentioned earlier in terms of for 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 mindfulness for stress for for um for relieving burnout burnout is a is a is a uh, is a case for chronic stress stress is good when it's in, in certain doses but if it's chronic and over time, that's when you, that's when it causes burnout, but a, a really good, you know, um, solution to burnout in general is just multiple days of good sleep and, right. and sleep. It's, it sounds so weird to, to kind of like say something so obvious, but you know, people don't mindfully sleep. That's uh, so no, I appreciate yeah. that. That's great. They asked what mindfulness apps do, uh, do, do our panelists use? And I added to that, um, uh, you know, which mindfulness apps that is not of your own creation or involvement. Um, so 
the mindfulness apps that is not in my own creation or involvement is I use breathwork sometimes. I think it's a great <laughs> thing to do before meetings, actually. Oh, nice. Um, Did you do it before our the, panel? The, pre, the pregame one specifically, because it really slows down your breath. And um, no, I didn't do it before my panel, but I've been using it a lot lately. And um, I, I use Insight Timer a lot just to to give me interval bills. I practice several different types of meditation and some of them I like to be timed. I use um, just the the normal timer on my Apple Watch to time meditations. Um, I use Headspace for sleep um, to help me go to sleep. I can fall asleep so quickly with the, the guided sleep meditation on, on Headspace. Gotcha. Um, and and then yeah then i use a lot of uh, of my own uh, apps um such as uh, haptic feedback for breathing on my apple watch and and um using the microphone for my computer uh, picking out the sound of my breath to give me some feedback of the breath on my computer um with bright either with audio or visually while i'm while i'm working um i use a little app i made to kind of start to slowly shut off my screen if I've been on the computer for a long time to take a break and uh and timers That's for the Pomodoro technique which is uh uses the actually kind of uses the thinking fast and thinking slow um kind of viewpoint of there's different types of focused work and more diffuse uh work they're kind of analogous to the thinking fast and slow and um of a lot of our most yeah. our most creative thinking happens when we are not uh, focusing uh, on the kind of tasks that we think are going to be benefiting our life, like the writing a song in the shower, for instance, or like mm -hmm. you know the the DNA double helix was thought of while I was driving. Right, right. No, those are excellent points, and uh, look forward to you commercializing that app that uh, gauges your breathing through the microphone. That's uh, I think that's a great, great idea. Um, looks like we have time. Maybe just one more question from the audience. Um, we talked about the responsibility or whether there was responsibility by the big tech companies that are developing um, our attention grabbing apps or, or technology. Um, there are a handful of employers who have begun to adopt mindfulness programs. And so that's, it's what they're offering to their employees. So the question is, uh, do you think that employers should assume responsibility or should it really be the individual? So, uh, Max Gomez, why don't we start with you there? Yeah. I mean, I think employers should care about their employees. So, yeah, yeah, I do think that, um, you know, there should be some type of responsibility between that. But if you want to look at the more objective view of it, by caring about your employees and providing with mindfulness practices or applications, you're also helping improve their performance and, and work. So it also comes back to serve the employer themselves, too. So, yeah, I, I think that employers should always care about their employees and should always help benefit them. Um, I mean, that's why most employees and employers offer health insurance and, and dental benefits um, and, and retirement packages. Absolutely. But I think, you know, when it comes to the mental wellness space, I think that's definitely a new space that not everyone's comfortable with or understands yet completely. But I think over time, it'll be way more adopted into employers offering these benefits to, to their employees. Yeah, great. No, I appreciate that. David, how do you come out on this? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, you know, Max Gomez, I think, but I, I do know that from um, kind of the business and enterprise perspective, um, there has been a lot of pushback, although this, this theory of this theme is becoming a little bit more popular. Uh, the challenges are proving hard ROI. Uh, just like this, just like the, you know, the statement that Max just made though, is like, yeah, you know, they're going to pay attention. They should take care of their employees. However, um, it's still a soft ROI when you really consider it because there's not enough, you know, there's not enough proof points yet to say that if we dedicated, you know, this much money of your HSA account toward this, you know, it, it kind of gets into the weeds about, you know, policy and uh, what's, what works for this point, but it is, it proves, you know, for the teams that can kind of work all work those things out and, and become kind of a, a group flow. Uh, yes. That's an amazing team to be part of. Uh, but again, it, it kind of falls into uh, the insurance component, the policy component, hard ROIs versus soft ROIs. Uh, we've, you know, there's a couple, there's a good handful of companies that we've tried to um, push through to, you know, certain investments. And it's, it's just been difficult to really prove those proof points. And so I'm, I'd be excited once, once um, the studies do come out and really have some, you know, um, harder quantified numbers on, on ROI sure. um, on all these things, but yeah, I, it's still, not yet there, but okay. they, they should definitely consider it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. How about you, Max Josephson? Should employers be responsible for their employees' mindfulness? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that they have a, uh, a responsibility to employees' mental health that like a lot of employers just uh, aren't considering very much. And um, I know like in Japan, um, every employer that has more than I think 50 employees, they have to give a mental health screener every year to their employees. And I think here in America, we have this ideology like work hard, play hard, where there's like our separate self at work that can just take, uh, they can just take all this like abuse basically. And then you come back at your life and you're just kind of dealing with it. And I think that we need to be thinking about, um, different mentalities for what is what is work what is play and how can we be enjoying the things that we're doing and you know one of them being uh, i'm thinking about uh, my brother works for meraki which is a cisco subsidiary and there's meditation rooms on every floor of this five-story building in san francisco and there's nobody ever in the meditation rooms (laughs) and i've never i haven't seen one person there and i've been there a lot of times and so I definitely think that employers have a responsibility to to, um, to get their employees to to think about how these things could be benefiting their life, and so that they can be the ones taking initiative and incorporating it with their sense of self, so that they can really be using these tools effectively, and not just it being another thing I have to do during the day. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, add something to that though. I, I think it's also interesting to to kind of jump into that, but we're at two o'clock already. The, but the, the thing is, I, I think we've also discovered that, you know, there's, you, you can kind of put people in several camps in terms of the way they think about themselves. So 
I think the majority of people actually enjoy, or at least don't know otherwise, uh, for something that's prescribed to them. So you're, you need something prescribed to you. They're not going to, you know, actively look for alternatives. And there's a high, you know, fallacy of trust with our our, our care system. Uh, so the other, you know, there, there's so many components to really explain that. I think my general feeling is yes, of course, employers feel, you know, employers should take care of their employees. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things happening in our um in our care systems, in our society, that are are generally creating um, a lot of individualistic kind of um, feelings and notions. But I think what it, it there's a lot of we can we can delve into that. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that that's a very there, that's a very scary thing for people who are just looking for prescribed things. Right. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's only a smaller, there's a, actually a smaller portion of people who will proactively look for alternatives. And right now, mental health is an all alternative rather than a primary, right? So we're looking for, we, we need to do a better job at putting mental health as a primary. And that's, that's the job of practitioners and, and people that are really driving this forward. Uh, and so at the same time too, if you're prescribed something at a therapy level, or you're taking a pill or you're taking, you know, something, um, you're still trusting some, you're still entrusting someone else to, uh, give something to you based on that, that, that trust. Right. And I think that needs to kind of expand a little bit wider is, yeah. is I guess what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of focus on physical fitness. And so it'll be great if we move to a paradigm of mental fitness or mental wellness from a preventative standpoint and not just diagnose uh, problems or issues or medicate after the fact. So um, on that note, um, we will have to end. I want to thank all of our panelists for their wonderful insight and for taking the time to share that with us today. Thank you to all the attendees. Appreciate the insightful questions. This uh, made it a very robust event. Um, really just uh, full of gratitude for everyone involved. Thank you so much. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.